Welcome, Welcome to, to Faster, Faster Bike Pod. Pod. Welcome back to Faster Bike Pod. Today, we're diving into something that can give you a significant edge in your rides, tire pressure. That's right. Tire pressure isn't just about pumping your tires and hitting the road. It's an optimization problem. With the right approach, you can gain speed without extra effort. We're looking at gains of over 2%. That's massive in cycling with no extra cost. To help you get this right, we will talk about some excellent online tools like the calculators from Silka or SRAM. They can guide you based on various factors like the surface conditions of the course and your race strategy. These tools consider the type of equipment you're using too. We will learn given the physics of the problem, it is generally better to err on the side of lower pressures, which makes a case for tubeless setups and tires width of 28 millimeters and more for most riders. So stay tuned, and if you haven't done so yet, make sure to head to our website, fasterbikeblog.com, for more details and visualizations, and sign up to stay up to date with all our new episodes and articles. So, Bryant, how important is the right tire pressure? Well, in short, very important. Even if you run the fastest tires, all is lost with the wrong tire pressure. There is an interesting video from Sai from GCN, where he conducts his own tire pressure experiment. Of course, our listeners can find the link to his video on our blog post. The good news is that adjusting tire pressure does not cost any money. That's true, but some equipment is worth investing in. By using a high-quality and accurate pump, you can easily adjust and maintain optimal pressure every time. In particular, newer cordless compressors like the Makita DMP-1 and 80 or the Bosch Universal Pump are convenient and reliable options. I definitely appreciate the speed and convenience of inflating my tires with the press of a button. Now, you mentioned in another episode that we don't have to inflate the tires to the maximum pressure. I thought this was a must for road tires. You are not alone in thinking that. Until recently, road cyclists used to pump their tires as hard as they could, going for eight bars or even more. Of course! It feels so much faster to ride on hard tires. Indeed, it feels faster to ride hard tires. One reason is that hard tire translates more vibrations to the rider, and we associate more vibrations with speed. Hmm, I think I know what you are talking about. It's like when you're driving on the highway in a small, shaky car, and it feels like you're going so much faster than you actually are. But when you're in a big, smooth limousine, you barely feel the speed at all. Right? Exactly. Yet it is precisely these vibrations that slow us down on the bike. Just because it feels faster on narrow road bike tires filled up to the maximum, it doesn't mean it is. But why is that? Now we need to get to the nerdy discussions. Let's dive in. We already discussed in another episode that bike tires undergo constant cycles of compression and decompression. At the bottom part of the wheel, when they are squeezed between the weight of the rider from the top and the pavement from the bottom. Every cycle, the energy lost due to compression is slightly more than the energy regained from the bounce back. That difference translates into heat and is referred to as casing loss, which the best tires minimize. Wait, casing loss? Wasn't that called rolling resistance? Right. The casing loss is one of the contributing factors to rolling resistance. Interestingly, one way to reduce this casing loss is by pumping the tire to the highest pressure, minimizing compression and, therefore, loss. Now I'm confused. I thought hard tires were not faster. 
Well, in a lab scenario, on the smooth surfaces of testing rigs, the highest pressures are still the fastest. We have some interesting data from bicycle rolling resistance tests on our blog that shows this is, in fact, fully reproducible. So if they are faster in the lab, why not in reality? This is where it gets interesting. Outside on the road at some point, suddenly the physics change. As I mentioned earlier, casing loss is only one contributor to rolling resistance. But there is another crucial aspect that needs to be considered when it comes to road cycling in the real world. Impedance loss. Impedance loss? What's that? Imagine a perfectly hard tire. Once it hits a little 5mm pebble stone on the road, it won't deform, but the whole system of bike and rider has to be lifted up accordingly by those 5mm. This is a huge energy loss. As a cyclist, you experience vibrations that can tire your muscles and slow you down. That makes sense. So in a race like Paris-Roubaix, the riders will lose a lot of energy rolling over every single cobblestone. Precisely. But interestingly enough, this is also true on normal tarmac. I know the Swiss roads that you are used to riding are quite well maintained, Joanne, but they are never as smooth as what they use in a lab environment. Silka has some nice graphics that helps visualize this, and you can find this also on our blog. I see. But if we just lower the pressure, the casing loss increases. Indeed. That is why I said earlier the fastest tire pressure is an optimization challenge. So we want to have tire pressure as high as possible to minimize the casing losses from tire deformation, yet not too high that we run into impedance losses. Exactly. Silka has a great graphical illustration of how rolling resistance changes with the change in tire pressure. We can observe that the rolling resistance reduces as the tire pressure increases. However, at the breakpoint pressure, the resistance suddenly increases significantly due to the impedance losses taking over. The illustration will be linked on our blog. Right, you can see in this illustration that being a little higher than the breakpoint pressure drastically increases rolling resistance, whereas being a little lower has less of an effect. For example, let's assume breaking point pressure is 100 psi. If you would pump your tire at 90, rolling resistance is just a little higher than optimal. However, if you go to 110, it's similar as if you would pump the tire at only 65. Wow, interesting. So in summary, rather have a little too low tire pressure than too high on your bike. In the lab or the velodrome, the high bike tire pressures are indeed the fastest. But when the surface is as rough as tarmac, lower pressure is the safe bet. But Bryant, how could our listeners find the optimum pressure for themselves? With the understanding of the physics in mind, finding the fastest tire pressure is quite complicated as it would require testing a number of factors. Luckily, however, Silka and SRAM have each provided a tire pressure calculator tool. Yeah, they seem like a great starting point for finding the fastest tire pressure. I noticed they cover several critical factors. Right, they do. Let's go through them. The first one is the weight of the system. The more weight, the higher the pressure. This includes the rider, bike, and all gear. So when you weigh, make sure you are fully kitted, and have all accessories on your bike, including the full water bottles. You may be surprised how it adds up. Makes sense. What about surface conditions? Surface condition is key. The rougher the surface, the higher the impedance losses as the obstacles the tire has to overcome are getting bigger. Think minor roughness of new tarmac versus big rocks on gravel. In the SRAM calculator, this is covered as part of ride style. Got it. Next is tire width. This is really important and changes optimal pressure significantly. 
Wider tires have more air inside and allow for lower pressures. The tire's width is dependent on the rim's inner width and is often very different from what is written on the sidewall. Therefore, SRAM tries to estimate this, and Silka asks you to measure this value with a good caliper, such as the ParkTool DC-1. Talking about lower pressures makes me think of tubeless versus tube setup. Yeah, that is why the calculators ask about tire type or tire casing. This is important to avoid tire pressures getting too low and risking pinch flats with inner tubes. Also, high-quality tires, especially with tubeless setup, are more pliable and therefore can be run at higher pressures. All right. And what about rim type or wheel diameter? They play a role, too. Smaller rims behave slightly differently, depending on tire size, as their angle toward an obstacle is different. On the other hand, a small wheel diameter, such as 650B with a big gravel tire, may have the same effective diameter as a 700C wheel with a smaller tire. And finally, ride style, speed, and weight distribution are also listed as factors in these calculators. Yeah, the forces vary with your riding style. Faster riders need more pressure, and while front tires can be run lower on flat surfaces, the load increases significantly when you're riding aggressively downhill or braking. You were right, Bryant. The tire pressure is complicated to calculate without these calculators. Now what's the difference between the Silka and SRAM calculator? That's a good question. To find the answer, why don't we run a couple of standard scenarios to see how the results compare for an average rider? Okay, let's assume we have a 75-kilo road cyclist on a 700C wheel set. Sure, I'm going to assume they are DT Swiss Air Soci 1100 wheels with an inner width of 20 millimeter. All right, we have to also add the weight of the bike. And their gear. I will put in 10 kilos. 10 kilos? Yes, don't forget those water bottles, shoes, helmet, kit, repair kit, etc. It adds up very quickly. We also assume they ride 25mm high-quality tires such as Continental GP5000 STR or Vittoria Corsa Pro in a tubeless setup. Okay. All right. As you can see, both calculators return pretty similar values for the rear tire at 6.1 bar. For the front tire, however, Silka calculates 5.9 bars versus 5.7 bar from SRAM. Hmm. Interesting. Why is that? Silka argues a higher pressure in the front wheel is needed for good handling and safety when braking. It probably also depends on whether you plan cycling in the Alps or at a touch-no-brakes flat-looped criterium race. Aha, uh -huh, got it. But in general, the two results are pretty close. Indeed. I spent some time playing around with the values of each parameter and found some interesting results. Tell us more. For example, I looked at three different riders with the same gear. 60-kilo climber, 75-kilo all-rounder, and 90-kilo sprinter. Despite the quite significant differences in weight of 15-kilo, values range from 5.9 bars for the climbers to 6.3 bars for the sprinter. So, that means once our listeners have that ballpark number right, there is no need to adapt for daily variations of a couple of kilos based on changes in their weight or their gear. Exactly. On the other hand, road surface seems to play a much more significant role. When I compared the pressures for the same rider and set up on the perfect new pavement to the poor pavement and cobbles, the variation in pressure was 1.5 bar. But this can make it really complicated to find the perfect pressure for a race like Paris-Roubaix, which has a mix of everything. True. For those events, picking the right tire pressure mostly hinges on the race type and your strategy. But usually, it's better to go with a bit less pressure, 
especially for the rougher sections where you tend to lose more time. For a more elaborate race strategy, the teams might also consider where they need the biggest edge. In tight pack sections, perfect tire pressure isn't a big deal, but you'll want it just right for the big climb or where you expect the major attacks. Yeah, good tips. Did you have any other exciting findings? Of all parameters, tire width is the most sensitive. I compared recommended tire pressures for tire widths of 25, 28, and 32 millimeter road tires. The differences here are staggering. Adding a mere three millimeter tire width from 25 to 28 millimeter decreases the pressure by one bar, going from 6.5 to 5.5 bar, and just another drop for the wide 32 millimeter tires. Therefore, it is highly recommended to have a good caliper at hand to measure tire width precisely, as just one millimeter makes a more significant difference than even a couple of kilograms of weight difference. Just a few millimeters in tire width can make a bigger impact than even a couple of kilos in weight. Fascinating, huh? But Bryant, I'm a bit puzzled here. Why do I need a caliper to measure the tire width? Isn't that already printed on the tire? Great question. Actually, the width of a tire you see on the sidewall isn't always what you get in real life. You see, tires stretch differently on different rims. Basically, the broader the rim, the wider the tire. I get it now. That's why the pros are all about wider tires, especially on those gnarly roads. Plus, don't forget, wider tires are way comfier for long rides, and that could make you even faster. There is just one downside. A wider tire is also less aerodynamic. Many current wheels, for example, the DT Swiss ARCs, are optimized for 25mm tires for the best aero performance. Oh, Bryant, I know aerodynamics is your favorite topic. Spoiler alert, we will look into this and a lot of other aerodynamics optimizations in future episodes. Before we wrap up today's episode, let's quickly put everything we've discussed into a practical guide for our listeners. All right, first off, think about the road surfaces you'll be riding on it's smart to prepare for the rougher ones. Then grab a caliper and measure your tire width. Make sure you're spot on with this. Next, it's time to weigh yourself. Don't forget to include your full biking gear, your bike, water bottles, and all those little extras like repair kits. Once you've got those numbers, head over to an online tire pressure calculator. Input all your details there. After that, it's time to pump up your tires. Make sure you use a high-quality pump with a reliable pressure gauge. When you're out riding, pay attention to how it feels. If you're used to riding on high pressures, you might miss the vibrations at first. But remember, those vibrations were actually slowing you down. Instead, focus on how the bike handles, especially on descents and corners. You'll want to avoid a pressure that's too low, as it can lead to poor control or even flats if you hit potholes hard. Experiment a bit and err on the side of lower pressure if unsure. It may take a little exploring. For races, decide on your strategy and adapt to the pressure depending on the event. Go higher for fast crits on smooth roads and lower, maybe with wider tires, for tough 250-kilometer-long Grand Fondos with rough and gravel roads. If you can't bring your floor pump to an event, just pump the tires at a higher pressure and use a little tool like the Fumpa gauge or Silka Truth gauge to deflate to the appropriate pressure just before the start. And a final bonus tip, use a tire marker such as the Edding 8050 tire marker to write the pressure on the non-drive side just next to the valve. This way, you never need to remember the pressure. And this was our episode. 
the fastest tire pressure for road cycling is probably lower than you think. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hit subscribe and share with your friends. Also, don't forget to head to our website, FasterBikeBlog.com, for more exciting content that makes you faster. Accelerate your ride. Until next time.